Let me ask you this. Who's in control of your life this morning? We look around the world today and probably wonder and ask that question, don't we? Who is in control? Because everything seems to be so out of control. We see protests, some of them peaceful, some of them not so peaceful. We see that stock market rising and falling and rising and falling again. We experience isolation and are told that we would probably be safer at home. Even as people of the word, we may have a moment of wondering, what is God doing? What in the world is going on in the world? Who is control? We read in our Bibles that things will happen over the course of time. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. But understand this, Paul writes to Timothy. That in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen, with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. But as God's people, we know that he is the one who has established the earth upon its foundation so that that earth will not totter forever and ever. We're given the assurances that God causes all things to work together for good. For those who love God, for those who are called according to His purpose, we know this, that the Lord will not abandon His people nor will he forsake his inheritance forever. Our Lord God is with us, and we can be assured of that. You see, knowing these things, we're still caught in that struggle of doing and resting in these things. Because it seems that someplace within us, we as individuals, and maybe collectively as a group, all want to be the boss of our lives. Maybe we even want to be the boss of somebody else's life. But as we continue our walk through Paul's letter, back to Ephesians that we've taken a sabbatical from for a time, we're going to find that we need to rethink that attitude about self-control, about being in control. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. 
speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, you are gracious and good, and we are so thankful that you have not left us and have promised never to leave us, never to forsake us. By the power of that Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, Lord, we pray that that very same Spirit would raise us into your presence, that we might hear intimately and carefully your word. Father, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. See, the overall commandment here in Ephesians, all of Ephesians ultimately, is be careful how you walk. We do that by observing, Paul has noted, three pairs of commands. If you look at that passage of Scripture, introduced by the words not, and then contrasted by the word but. He says, live not as those who are unwise, but as those who are wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. He says, walk and live your lives, not foolishly, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. This morning, we're going to consider that third and that last contrast there and that command that says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Look back for a moment. At Ephesians 5.18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. Here are two commands that at first glance may appear to be totally unrelated. Being drunk with wine, being filled with the Spirit. I don't think there's any doubt that Paul purposely groups these two commands here together. Although Paul is giving his readers a command here that is consistent with the teaching and the rest of the Scriptures, this main focus that he has here is not the issue of drinking alcoholic beverages. Remember that Paul is pointing out to his readers... That as followers of Jesus Christ, they can no longer continue to live their lives in the same way that they had done before their conversion experience. Many of these Gentile believers would have been very familiar with and maybe even participated in the cult of Dionysius, the Greek god of grape harvest, winemaking, and wine, and fertility. The Romans called this same god Bacchus. A major feature of that worship of Dionysius was the orgies where the participants became highly intoxicated with, with wine in order to cause Dionysius to fill the worshiper's body so he or she would comply with the will of that god coming under the control of that god. So I would propose to you that the main point here is not so much drunkenness as the concept of leaving behind the darkness of the Gentiles, Christians, that they had once been controlled by. 
We're not going to spend a lot of time on that part of the passage this morning, on that phrase of this, these two commands here this morning, other than to say that the Bible clearly teaches that anything done to an excess is a sin, whether it be eating or drinking. But we are going to spend the bulk of our time this morning on the second part of this verse, the second command that Paul gives us where he says here, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. See, this is another one of those passages that has, has been taken out of context and often misapplied within the body of Christ. And as a result, many Christians are chasing after some experience that will validate the work of the Holy Spirit in them and in their lives and assure for them that they have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in them. What I hope we'll, we will see here this morning, and it will be made clear for us, is this matter of being filled with the Spirit. You see... Being filled with the Spirit is not about getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's about the Holy Spirit getting more of you. It's not about an event. It's about a way of life, a lifestyle. Our English versions all capture some of the nuances of Paul's meaning. And there is no way to really comprehend this, I think, vitally important issue without looking at this passage word by word. And as we do that, I pray that we'll discover five important observations Five important things that will help us understand what it means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. It goes without saying, being controlled by the Holy Spirit means that this idea is a matter of control. Who's in control? The most important thing that we will do here, I hope, this morning is to get a grasp of this meaning of this English word translated filled. When we use the word fill in English... We normally think of something being placed into a container. Take an empty glass and fill it with water or filling the the tanks of our cars with gasoline. These examples begin to convey that meaning but really don't get to the full meaning of the word that Paul uses here to be filled. It has really three shades of meaning. It's a moving force. It's a, something that, that saturates, that permeates, and it is something that is total. Let's look at it first as a moving force. This word was used to describe wind, feeling, filling the, the sails on a ship, providing the force behind uh, the, the, the sails in order to impel that ship across the water. When we apply that concept to our spiritual eyes, we find that the Holy Spirit is the force that moves us along each and every day in our day-to-day walk with the Lord. I remember when I was but a wee lad, a small child, well, not so small, but we were living in Greenwood, I believe it was, Mississippi, on Grenada Boulevard. 
at the very back of our property, of my folks' property, ran a creek right along the backside. And we as children would often go uh, there and make little boats of, of paper and carved wood and place them in that creek. I don't know if you knew that or not. We spent a lot of time back there in that creek. And we would follow those little vessels as they moved along downstream with the current carrying them along their way. Those little ships didn't have uh, the ability to go where they wanted by themselves. They were carried along with the force of the water's current. That's the picture of how a spirit-filled Christian is to live. Instead of focusing on our wants and our desires, we're to allow the Holy Spirit to be the current that determines where we go in our lives. It's a force that moves. But it's also something that permeates. And I sat back, folks, and I've been accused of using some big words. I sat back and tried to, to think of a word that, that wasn't a big word that still is, uh, describes this word permeates and saturates. It's probably something that comes closest to it. But before some of you came here this morning, you, you probably grabbed a cup of coffee. Some of you may have added sugar and sweetener and one or more of those little packages of, of flavored cream to your coffee. Once you stirred those things in your coffee, that flavor permeated, saturated every drop of coffee in your cup so that it was good to the last drop. Every sip of coffee took on the flavor that you added to that coffee. And if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, then every part of our lives ought to bear the flavor of His presence in our lives and permeate every area of our lives. So that that control is total. That third shade of meaning, the one most often used in the New Testament, conveys that sense of total control. One of the most significant ways to determine what a word means in the Scriptures is to use what we call the analogy of Scripture, in which we let Scripture interpret Scripture. What does God's Word say about total control? Look at John 16. Verses 5 and 6, where Jesus is speaking to his disciples, but now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. That's that same word that's in Ephesians, fulfilled, to be controlled. Jesus was pointing out that the disciples' grief was so overwhelming that it dominated and controlled their thoughts. It motivated their actions. Their, this grief filled their hearts. It totally consumed them, permeated them. We see this even more clearly in Acts chapter 5, in the account of Ananias and Sapphira, where Dr. Luke writes these words. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. See, the way Luke uses that word indicates that Ananias was totally controlled, motivated in his heart 
to do something that was not pleasing to God. This idea of total control is also confirmed in the immediate context. I mean, no better place to look than right here in the context. Remember that Paul has already contrasted for us being filled by the Holy Spirit and being drunk with wine. What do we call it when someone drives a car while under the influence of a drug, of alcohol? We call it DUI, right? Driving under the influence, which really is simply another way of saving, saying driving under the control of something. And as we've already seen, for Paul's readers, there was an association between, between becoming drunk and being controlled by the pagan gods. Those in the first century would have heard these words and would have clearly understood their meaning. Don't be under the control of your wine. Be under the control of the Holy Spirit. We're not simply empty containers, empty vessels in which the Holy Spirit is poured like a liquid, nor is He simply some power socket that we plug into in order to get recharged. He's the third person of the triune God who brings us into a right relationship with God, the Father, through the finished work of God, the Son, Jesus Christ, and who dwells permanently and fully in our lives at the moment of our new birth. We don't need to get more of the Spirit. What do we need? We need to allow the Holy Spirit to get more of us. More and more each day. It's a question of control. His control, not our control. And folks, this is not an option. It is not an option. That verb translated, be filled is what you might recognize as a command. Just another way of saying, do something and don't hesitate. That command is also in the second person plural. It's not simply you do something. It's you all, or properly spoken in the South, y'all do something, right? Y'all do something. Do it. It's like saying, you all come in. You all find your seat. There are several things that we can recognize here, that we can see here, that first of all, this is addressed not just to one Christian, but to all Christians. Not just to one believer, but all believers. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not just for super-Christians. For some elect group that has an extra dose of the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. Every follower of Jesus Christ is to be filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit. It is addressed to all Christians. Secondly, this is not an option. The Holy Spirit doesn't say, would you please do this? He says, do it. Do it and do it without hesitation. It is not optional. The filling of the Holy Spirit is all God's work. This is not merely some prayer request or something that we're to ask God to continue to do. The Bible commands it. 
So it must be something that he provides a means for us to accomplish by his grace for every follower of Jesus Christ to obey. And God will never command us to do something that he doesn't give us the grace to do and obey. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is what? It is a matter of control. It is not optional and it is a process. This command to be filled is in the present tense. The present tense in the Greek indicates a continuing action. Something that is ongoing. So we could probably more accurately say here, keep on, keep on being filled. Keep on being controlled with and by the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not some one-time emotional event or experience. It's something that needs to occur on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis, breath-by-breath. And too many people picture being filled with the Spirit similar to the way that uh, I mentioned the gas tanks in our cars. They consider those gas tanks. We fill up our tanks and then we drive around for a while and watch that needle on the the gauge uh, go to toward the big E, toward empty. And with the way prices fluctuate around here so much, we watch and try to anticipate just when those prices are going to go back up and get back to the, get back to the pump and fill them up again. Too many people picture being filled with the Holy Spirit similar to the way we fill up our gas tanks in our cars. There's a sense in which the Holy Spirit always worked the same, Old Testament and New Testament, but the fullness of the Spirit was, is more obvious certainly in the New Testament and on. He poured Himself out. Very specific individuals, very specific uh, places for very specific tasks in the Old Testament, but since the day of Pentecost, all that has changed. As we saw back in Ephesians 1, the very moment of our conversion our regeneration, our faith and repentance, the Holy Spirit dwells permanently in our lives. We get all of the Holy Spirit we will ever have or ever need right then and there. Now I know, that sounds difficult. The rest of our lives we live learning to die more and more to our own selves and live more and more to righteousness. It's not that we have more of the Holy Spirit as we grow older in Christ as time goes on, but as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, dying more and more to self, more and more of the Holy Spirit shines through us. We don't get filled up with the Spirit and then expend Him as we live our lives and engage in ministry and service. He's not some energy or force that fills us and eventually runs out and we have to run back to the Holy Spirit pump and fill up again. He's a person who lives continuously and constantly in us. And the process of allowing Him to take more and more control of us is something that we are engaged in breath by breath 24-7. Being filled by the Holy Spirit is a matter of control. It's not optional. It is a process. Being filled is something we can't do ourselves. The next thing we see here, this be filled, is passive. 
It's a verb that is passive. In other words, the people to whom Paul addresses this command are not the ones who are ultimately doing the action. The Holy Spirit is the one acting upon them and doing that action, filling them. Go back to the gas tank analogy for a minute. You drive to the gas station to fill up your tank in your car, and the gas tank in your car Lo and behold, doesn't fill up itself, does it? These days you have to get out and do it yourself. Years ago it used to be that there was a gas station attendant that when he heard the ding ding, he, he, when he heard the bell, he ran out to see what you needed, how much gas. And he filled up the tank for you. Someone else did the filling. The same thing is true when it comes to the filling of the Holy Spirit. You can't, I can't, We can't fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit. Someone else does it for us. And this verse gives us a very clear picture of who's doing that filling. The Holy Spirit is the instrument by which that action is carried out. When we put together everything that we've learned here, that we've seen here so far, we could very easily and accurately translate this passage as this. All of you keep on being controlled by the Holy Spirit. In the context, Paul is writing this command. He makes it very clear that we cannot live the kind of life he has been describing as a result of our own exerted religious effort or even as a result of our own spiritual discipline. Only God can cause this to happen as we submit ourselves to the control of the Holy Spirit who lives within us and grow in grace as we submit ourselves to Him. All of that's well and good. And hopefully you're asking the question, how do I do this? Because I know I'm involved in it. The Scripture says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Take off. Put on. There must be something that I do. The Holy Spirit fills me. Paul says, as I let the word of Christ dwell in me. One of the best commentaries of what Paul says is other places that he writes. Thirteen epistles he has written and been preserved for us in our English Bibles. The letter to the church in Colossae often considered a sister epistle to Ephesians, gives us some insight about what he says here to the church in Ephesus. What Paul writes in Colossians is invaluable in helping us understand how to be filled with the Spirit. Look at Colossians 3.16. Paul says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart. That should sound familiar because it shows up once again there in Ephesians 5.18. Giving thanks, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. 
The idea of being filled or being controlled by the Holy Spirit seems to be connected with this idea of getting the focus off of our lives and onto the Word of God and others. How do we do that? Paul, once again, tells us we do that by letting the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. To be filled with the Spirit is to be filled with what? God's Word. To be filled by the Spirit, I submit myself to God's Word. I must allow that Word to infuse me, to permeate me, to control every part of my life. The Holy Spirit is the author of the Word of God. And when we allow that Word to permeate Every area of our lives, we allow the Holy Spirit to fill or control us. Paul says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. That word translated, get drunk, comes from a word that means to be saturated. In effect, the person who is drunk has been saturated with something. Saturated as Christians with what? With the Word of God. We need to be saturated with the Word of God in the same way that someone who is inebriated is saturated with liquor. And you can't do that by simply coming here once a week for one hour for every week for our worship service, sitting back, sipping. Oh, how good it is to do that. On the cup of God's Word, it is not enough. You can't do this simply by nibbling on the Word of God when you feel like you need a snack or when something goes awry in your life. If we want the Holy Spirit to fill us, as Paul says, fill you, then we must feed ourselves a steady diet of the Word of God. We must drink deeply of the Word, continually allowing God's Word to saturate our lives as we listen to it, as we read it, as we study it, as we meditate upon it and memorize it. As we are confronted with that question, who's in control? Is it my will or is it the will of God that I am submitting to? Will I or won't I submit and keep in step walking with the Spirit? Asking this question, all the while remembering that this is not something that we have to do alone. As in fact, it's something we're commanded not to do alone. Because we can't do it alone. We do it by grace, by God's grace, as we submit to His Word that He's given to us. You know, even here, Jesus Christ, our great high priest, struggled with what we struggle with each and every day. He did this in his humanity, but he did it perfectly, submitting his will to the will of the Father. Where the first Adam failed miserably and struggled in obeying and submitting to the word of God. The last Adam, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, submitted perfectly to the Father's will when he said, Father, in the Garden of Gethsemane, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, 
but yours be done. Is that the answer to that question? Who's in control? Heavenly Father, we submit to you our lives and pray that the Holy Spirit that dwells in each and every one of us would shine greater and greater each and every day, each and every moment as we live to righteousness and die to self. Enable us, Lord, to put on more and more that the Holy Spirit might shine brightly in us and through us. Father, we lift up this prayer in the name of the one who intercedes for us and has gone before us, our great high priest, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.